Hi, I'm Andy Bush, and you're listening to Through the Decades, a podcast that takes a nostalgic trip down memory lane with some of my favourite people. Each week, my guest and I will be starting in the 60s before going to the 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties, 10s, and back to the present day as they share their stories of how each decade has shaped their lives and made them what they are today. This episode, I'm honoured to be joined by the legend that is Jujubee, drag queen extraordinaire, reality television personality and recording artist. Jujubee, welcome. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, you look amazing. You're my best dressed guest so oh. far, 100%. <laughs> well, you know what? I knew we weren't going to be on camera, but I had to show up and show out because that's what good Juju is all about, baby. That, you look absolutely fantastic. It's brilliant to have you here. Are you a person that, that looks back much? Well, I look back just to appreciate things that I've experienced or things that have happened in the past, but I do not live in the past. Yeah. I, I love going forward, but to have um, knowledge and appreciation for what's happened, I think, helps us grow as people. Fantastic. Well, I'm excited to go through time with you. Let's begin our journey through time and start in the 1960s, the era of our grandparents, family members you may or may not have met, great aunts, second uncles, that kind of thing. Jujubi, tell us about your grandparents. What's your first memory of them? I actually only know one grandparent, and that's my grandmother. Okay. She is a fabulous Laotian woman. Um, she escaped the Vietnam War to the United States. So, oh, wow. You know, she, oh, yeah, she has great stories. And what's amazing about her is she is almost 90. She has tattooed eyebrows. She <laughs> loves drag race. She <laughs> She's just such a hip, cool old Laotian woman. Fantastic. She must be uh, an amazing character in terms of getting advice from and stuff like that. Is she in your life in that respect? Will give you advice on what to do and where you're going and all that kind of thing? Absolutely. I th actually, the last piece of advice that she gave me, I visited her a few months ago, was I just want you to do what you love and be happy. And wow. that was the most grandma thing to say, yeah. but it was so real and it was so adorable because she was saying it with the fake eyebrows and she had a full face of makeup on, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but like she wasn't dressed to go anywhere. She was just home in a full face of makeup because... Yeah. She's fabulous. What a uniquely American thing as well, because, you know, it's strange sometimes when there's been this pushback in America about immigrants and all that uh -huh. kind of thing, whereas, uh, you know, America's a nation that's founded by immigrants is, is where it is because of immigration. So I guess your grandmother's experience is something you can draw strength from because she's escaped... Oh, yeah, war. Unbelievable thing, war. yeah. And my parents, you know, my grandmother and my parents, like, my dad was born in 51, my mom in 59, so they were born right into war. Yeah. So they lived about 24 years of war and that's when they you know got to move so it's been a lot of trauma some of it was probably passed on to me but i'm the person that breaks that and i'm taking it and i'm breaking it and i'm just spreading love one drag face at a time <laughs> actually i'm spreading love one death drop at a time although i've never done a death drop. <laughs> well it's it's working that's for sure i mean you know talking about drag it borrows a lot from the glamour of the 60s there's a certain style of that era oh yeah i mean you look like say impeccable uh, right now as we chat is there uh, any characters from the 60s that inspire you in terms of the look uh, and the way that they are for your well, for your drag the 60s marilyn monroe I always found Marilyn so fascinating. I remember uh, being in, I think it was fifth grade. I was in the library and I think Google just came out. <laughs> this is aging me a lot. But I Googled all these photos of her 
And it was just this beauty that she held. And every picture that she was in just told you exactly who she was. And that was this glamour queen, this feminine creature, this strength. Yeah. And you could see that. And I think that's where I draw a lot of my almost whimsical feminine idea from. Because she was a queen, but also a king at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I went to an exhibition of some of her m- most famous dresses and outfits. Yeah. And I think with her as well, you get the, and this is one thing that's so fantastic about drag. You're taking an item, a garment, and it becomes kind of iconic as well. And you get that from the 60s is, is a big thing, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody knows that picture of her right on top of that great New York City and her dresses coming up. Like, that is iconic. Yeah. And we've tried to recreate it, but <laughs> she's the only one that can and has done it. Well, is there a song, GGB, from the 60s that uh, has a special place in your heart that you'd like to play? (laughs) A song from the 60s? It has to be I Feel Pretty from West Side Story. And how does it make you feel when you hear this song? Pretty. It makes (laughs) me feel pretty. It's it's such a beautiful song, and I was such a theatre kid. I'm a theatre adult now, so it has to be I Feel Pretty from West Side Story. I feel stunning and entrancing, feel like running and dancing for joy. I Feel Pretty, written by Stephen Sondheim and Leonard Bernstein, performed by Natalie Woods, Yvonne Wilder, Susie Kay and Joanna Meyer. This upbeat number from West Side Story finds Maria giddy over her romance with Tony. Her confidence soars because she is loved by a pretty, wonderful boy, but her co-workers at the bridal shop think she's nuts. She isn't in love, she's merely insane. We move from the ballroom glamour of the 1960s to the disco dance floors of the 1970s. You just alluded to it a little bit uh, there, Juju. but let's talk about your parents. What are they called? How did they meet? Gosh, I wish I could tell you more about my parents. I only had them for 15 years of my life. Oh, so, wow, okay. Yeah, so I loved my dad a lot. I still love him, although he's gone. Um, my mother's still alive, but we don't have a connection anymore, although I'm very grateful for those 15 years that I had, right? Um, they met in Laos during the war and I believe it was like an introduction from one friend to another friend and I heard it was love at first sight. Oh wow. Wow wow. (laughs) I mean could you imagine having love at first sight during a really big war? (laughs) (laughs) Like a big old war. Not many people know this but Laos was actually the one country that wasn't a part of the Vietnam War but Laos as a country was the most attacked. I see. So this was, uh, again, going back to my... I did American studies at yeah. university. They were trying to stop the kind of... Uh, the Ho Chi Minh Trail right. was going through Laos. So you, they sustained a lot of damage. Uh, yeah. there's Still today, there are landmines that are still going off. You know, and Barack Obama was the first president of the United States to actually go to Laos to create a treaty. And he pledged $100 million over a 10-year period to help remove all these bombs like people are still losing arms and limbs and stuff now today Horrend- horrendous so yeah. so when, when you've come from something like that or your, your family has been forged in that environment does that fortify you against you know it, you can handle anything I guess if you've grown up in that environment yeah I sure I mean my parents always told me to be grateful for everything that I had like that that is something that I do remember my dad was always really supportive of me um, he explained so many crazy things to me that he went through as a child so me being able to go to school was a gift, right? So, yeah. and, and like, and I didn't really understand or process it until I grew up and I read and I went back and looked at these things. So, 
I definitely think the power and the strength from my parents transferred to me and it's created this super strong soul. What's your first memory of your dad? Have you got a first memory? Oh, my first memory of my dad. Actually, I think the most vivid memory of my dad was we went fishing. Oh, wow. And he went off to go collect something from the car. An idiot child I was. I saw this beautiful flower growing on the side of the river. And I went to go pick it and I fell in the water. And I obviously didn't know how to swim. So I don't know how long it was, but I was struggling. And then I was grabbed and picked out of the water by my father. And I was like, oh, my God, you just saved me. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So that, that is a memory that I'll always have. And another great memory was um, he would always drive me to school. And every morning he would give me that same talk. Do, don't drink. Don't do drugs. Of course, years later, I went and did that. Right. <laughs> but I'm sober now. And I can tell this story because my dad knew that if I went down that road, it would lead me down the path that I didn't want to be in. So yeah. I'm so grateful for that. And he was the only person that I think knew that I was different. And he always said, it's okay. I still love you. And this is huge coming from somebody who comes from a country that maybe doesn't see all the genders or all the orientations. He was a great man. No, he sounds amazing. Sounds like he's a real, still a guiding light to this day for you, which is an amazing oh, yeah. thing. Is there a song from the 1970s then, Jujubee, you'd like to put forward as your track of the decade? Oh, Donna Summer, Last Dance. She was a Bostonian. So let's dance, let's dance, let's dance, let's dance, let's dance, let's dance tonight. Let's dance, let's dance. Last Dance, written by Paul Jabara, performed by Donna Summer and released via Casablanca. For me, the lyrics could be viewed as a woman looking for the love of her life, but in more literal terms, it's the last song before closing time at the disco, do you know what I mean? And she's looking for someone to go home with for the evening. We've all been there. Next up, we jump into the 1980s, such an iconic decade, Juju the year of your birth. You have an amazing birth name. Please tell us about it. It's an amazing name you have. Airline. Airline. Yeah, that's my name. And it's so funny because I hated it when I was a child because everybody would always ask, is that your real name? And now... I get to explain the name, and I think there's power in this name because we need air to breathe, right? Yeah. And if it's an airline, it's like a spout of life. So, baby, I'm giving you life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, a, it's a fantastic name. Isn't it? it was a beautiful mistake. It was spelled wrong at birth. Really? Is that right? Yeah, it was spelled wrong. It was supposed to be Erlin, and the E was tacked on, and of course, my parents didn't know that the wow. silent E was going to change how it sounded, but I'm glad because I get to fly everywhere, too. Totally. It's almost destiny, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Did you enjoy school? Were you someone that had a good time at school? Oh, I was the kid that would correct tests. <laughs> I'm serious. I was so smart. I still am. But I was like, I was a super genius. I loved school. I always had this ability to absorb things, and that's what I love the most. I feel like I'm still like that. Yeah. It's that curiosity that I love and um, learning things is kind of cool, isn't it? So in terms of, you know, drag and routine and, and being on stage, has that helped you in terms of memorising lines and, and what you need to do and dance and stuff like that? Well, that's a different beast, honey. I don't dance, but hey, <laughs> I, I move and I shake a little bit and maybe I'll find like the one in three in every song. <laughs> but um, yeah, it does help because you need to love what you're doing. Yep to actually immerse yourself in it. And learning lines isn't the easiest thing, but when you get in it and you understand and you create you create a backstory for your character, 
that's when you can go so far. And what poster did you have on your bedroom wall? Who, who did you idolise back then when you were a kid? Okay, so I had I had a lot of Britney Spears posters. Fantastic. On my wall, which is why I am a lip sync assassin. Um, <laughs> I love you, Britney, if you're listening. I know she is. I know she's busy, but... <laughs> oh, she listens. Yeah, she listens. She listens. No, Brit- Britney Spears, because Britney Spears, to me, is a drag queen. You know, Britney is a full package. It, she's makeup, hair, performance. She oozes sex, but there's still a sweetness about her that's innocent. And I love that because yeah. drag to me plays with everything. You know, it blurs the lines between what we should believe is masculine or feminine. It's just feeling your most complete. That's what drag is. I mean, I don't know too much about Britney, but she's been, like, liberated recently, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's a good thing if you're a Britney fan. Yeah, I think I think it's a good thing if you're, if you're a fan of anybody to be free because she was just kind of trapped in this crazy world. Like, imagine being a child star and being forced to live a life that you're not choosing for yourself. You yeah. know, she made money for everybody, and yeah. they treated her like sh- well, let, let's get a song on from I the can't 80s. Curse, can I can't curse, can You can do whatever you like. This is the UK. Oh, oh yes. I saw naked people on the TV the other night. <laughs> <laughs> naked yes. attraction. Yeah. What did you, would that be on TV in America or was it only over here? Oh, no. We don't even show nipples. Really? Yeah. Well, not... Not since Janet. Yeah. That was a lovely nipple. <laughs> it was lovely. Well, look, let's, let's keep that in mind and let's think of a great 80s song. So much good stuff to choose from. What would you like to pick for your 80s track? Okay, this is, this is actually really hard because the 80s had a lot of great music. It has to be a Madonna song. Even though I want to pick a Whitney Houston song. Oh my gosh. Trust your heart, GGB. Trust your heart. For the 80s, I'm choosing Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. And I'm choosing this because it was one of my first drag performances. Oh, really? For a non-dancer? Yes. And where was this? Can you remember where this was? You know what? I think it was at a college. It was at a college drag show, which blew my mind because I was like, I'm supposed to be learning here and I'm doing drag. And that was class itself. You know, it was, it was school right there. I Want to Dance with Somebody, written by George Merrill and Shannon Rubicum, performed by Whitney Houston and released by Arista. Whitney Houston sang this very upbeat and light, but the lyrics are actually quite emotional, which is why they included Who Loves Me in brackets after I Want to Dance with Somebody in the song title. Well, let's move on to the 1990s, another great decade, an iconic decade. Let me get this right. You moved from California to Massachusetts, is yeah, that right? how did you know this? I'd be done my research. Oh, my God. Two different, completely different kind of vibes, though, yeah. I guess. Yeah. What was it like moving from kind of the sunny coast down in California to kind of cold winters? Snow. And, yeah, snow uh, in Massachusetts. It was terrible. I remember the first time I ever experienced snow again. I actually, I was born in Boston. We moved to California went back to Boston. Right, okay. So as a teenager experiencing my first snowstorm, I was so excited. But the day after, I expected it to be all gone. And it wasn't. Sticks around. Yeah, for a while. And, you know, it gets dirty. No, I bet, I bet. And in terms of music, were you a record buyer? Was there music on in the house? What was your relationship with music at this stage? My relationship with music, my first purchase, I saved all my money from getting straight A's. I got a dollar every time I got A's on my report card. Brilliant. And I saved up and I got to buy myself the Bodyguard cassette tape. (laughs) 
fantastic. And I remember staring at the, do they call the, the paper in it a libretto? Is that what it is? I looked in it and then there was this woman's body with her nails in the back and the tattoo. Years later, I find out it's Michelle Visage. I oh, wow. And it's like, it, yeah, it's just like these moments that I call uh, God moments. It's like, okay, that's just God telling you this is going to be a little bit of your future. Here's a little bit of you here. Here's a little bit of you here. Yeah. So that was my first purchase. It was stolen a week later. <gasps> yeah, somebody broke into the, to the apartment and stole the boombox. And if you don't know what a boombox is, <laughs> listeners, a boombox is a, <laughs> it's kind of like an iPod, but bigger. <laughs> bigger speakers. than an iPod. Yeah, it's huge. Um, and then my second purchase was the Mar- Mariah Carey Butterfly album and Tony Braxton's Secrets. Oh, wow, some proper divas Just going on there. divas. Pure and divas. Celine Dion came next. Yeah, I knew, I, like, maybe that's why my dad was giving me those talks like hey it's okay <laughs> and, what, and in the 90s was drag on your radar at this point it was drag was on my radar but i was very uncomfortable with the idea why was that because i had fear i didn't know i didn't understand and it wasn't hatred that i felt it was more curiosity and the first drag queen i actually saw was rupaul oh wow and it was in tu wang fu thanks for everything julie newmar you know, it was it's a great movie, um, and it was that first scene where RuPaul comes out as Rachel Tension. <laughs> it's got some great names. <laughs> Wearing the Confederate flag dress, you know, and it was it was just a political statement that I didn't understand yet, and I was curious, but I was so scared. Yeah, and that was that was it, and here I am in full drag because of RuPaul, you know? This is it, and this is the thing, is, you know, someone that, you know, when you watch RuPaul's Drag Race, the more you watch it, the more you realise he's not just a legend or an icon, mm. he's had such a profound effect on people's lives and allowing them to live the life that they want to lead. Oh, absolutely. An, an absolute angel, almost this person that carries an energy that I can't even describe. Like, you, you share the room with them and they are so giving with the love. They give you a little bit, they sprinkle, you know, some wisdom. And yeah. that's why I keep going back because I call it harvesting wisdom yeah <laughs> that's, that's and he looks after for. you after i mean outside of the program does he look out for you a little bit and everything as well she's retweeted a lot of things for me so yeah. that's looking out for me you know like Fantastic. sharing music just sending love and the fact that i'm on lists to come back for more things i think is pretty cool yeah amazing I'm just back for more honey um let, let's pick a song from the 90s then juju what do you want to hear okay so i'm not going to pick songs from any of the albums i bought because I have a story for this one. From the 90s, we're going to listen to Touch Me by Kathy Dennis. Wow. And I'll tell you why. I got in trouble for singing that song in class, just humming it, and then I sang a little bit of the lyrics, and my teacher looked over. She said, do your parents know you're singing this song? Huh, airline? (laughs) And I said... Yeah, they turned on the radio. <laughs> and she was like, I need to speak to them. And I was like, well, good luck, because they don't speak English. <laughs> so I will never forget that. And the song's also amazing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, this is fantastic. Great choice. Touch Me, written by Kathy Dennis, Greg Carmichael and Patrick Adams, performed by Kathy Dennis and released via Polydor. 
Uh, let's move on to the noughties, the year 2000, the millennium, all that kind of thing. Now, we went to the same university. I went to Amherst in UMass, like you did. Wow. So I was at Sylvan. Were you anywhere near the Sylvan Halls of Residence right up the top on the hill? I had such an amazing time there. I it was, was at Northeast. But different I, ends of the campus, but, I think. But I did go to Sylvan. I think Sylvan was right, well, there was Central. Sylvan was on, was it on the other side, like the hill? Yeah, it was on the hill, yeah. Oh, I did go on a date there once. He had a snake in his room. Did he indeed? Yeah, and I was like, I don't think we're supposed to have pets. <laughs> and he was like, oh, this is my emotional support snake. <laughs> I think everyone needs one of those. Yeah, I suppose. So, I mean, what I thought was so amazing about going to American university is just going to, like, parties and stuff like that. What was your university career like? There were so many good oh, like, my... parties in like, Hobart and all that kind of stuff. Oh, gosh. I was probably one of the worst college students. I went from being super duper, you know, smart and curious. And when I got to college, I kind of lost myself. Um, but I don't regret any of those experiences because it learned me, you know, like I, I grew from them. But it was a crazy time because, you know, UMass is considered a party school, right? Yeah. But in terms of compared to your school career, moving up to to university, could could you express yourself a bit more at university? Were you free to do that? Oh, yeah. At UMass, that was actually like the first time I did a college drag show. Wow. And I hosted these drag shows for a few years. And that's when I found my first gig at Divas Nightclub in Northampton. I know you know Northampton. I've been there loads of times. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to I used to host there. It's closed now. Oh, we used to go there know? every week. It's yeah, one of my favorite clubs. Yeah, and I you probably was listening to music from DJ Otis. Well, we probably you know? did, yeah, he was yeah. in the back just like pointing up to the sky. We used to swap wristbands so that we could all get in and be able to drink over did a certain you? age, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's just how we rolled. Oh, my Foreign God. students, that uh, kind of thing. See, you, you can get away with that. Exactly. <laughs> It was no. such a, such an amazing place. It's so cool that you were there. I mean, talking about the, the things that you've done, you've done a lot of work for uh, HIV and AIDS awareness and so mm-hmm. on. Uh, I guess it's hard to put in words the effect that this dreadful illness has had on the, the gay community during the 80s mm-hmm. and, and still to this present day. How did you get involved? I actually, I work with a lot of programs. Right now, my focus is actually working with the kids in Boston. Yeah. Um, there's an organization called Bagley that I really, really find close to my heart because it's so close to home and a lot of these kids are so affected in a way where they don't feel like they belong anywhere yeah. but to have an organization that's they're super focused on just queer youth especially like queer youth of color yeah. it's um it's a beautiful thing and just last year we created a campaign just to have people donate you know it was called the audacity campaign it's basically like have the audacity to be petty with your cash and just throw it at us yeah so if you're listening donate to Bagley and is there was there an inciting moment that made you want to get involved more with this side of things you know what it is I find that when you are are living a life that you feel so complete in, if you aren't giving to other people and if you're not being of service to other people, it's not the fullest life. Like, I, I believe that we need to be of service to everybody and all of us can do this. It could it could literally be opening a door for somebody. Or if a friend is having a bad moment, you could just say these words, do you want my advice or do you want to vent? That can change the whole mood. Yeah. So it's just being there for other people. Because as a drag queen, I'm very self-centered. But in my self-centeredness, I can still find the love in me to export to somebody else. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, let's get a song on them from the 2000s then, Jujubee. What, what would you like to hear? What's the a track of the decade? Oh, shoot, the 2000s. That's huge. <sighs> toxic by Britney Spears. Because I'm toxic. <laughs> Ha 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 ha! 
Toxic, written by Kathy Dennis, Christian Carlson, Henrik Jongback and Pontus Winneberg, performed by Britney Spears and released by Jive. Kathy Dennis said that writing this song was sheer torture. She told Songwriting Magazine, I beat myself up for seven days, not sleeping, the melody came first, and I had this puzzle of trying to fit the words to the right number of syllables. It was really weird. I kept writing it and then re-editing myself again, again and again. Next, we move on to the 2010s. This is the decade that RuPaul's Drag Race came into your life in terms of you being on it. Yeah. Uh, season two, what was it like to be on such an iconic programme? Oh, gosh. I was elated, grateful, excited, nervous, scared. Just to be there made me feel like I'd made it. I was like, oh, my gosh, I made it. Because as a drag queen, I don't think a lot of people understand that a lot of us worked for free at these bars just to experience this art. Like, you know, yeah. every artist just wants to make their art. So when it started like that, and then I ended up on Drag Race on season two, it was a very new program. Yeah. And not everybody was for it back then, but we just went in and shared our stories because everyone has a story. But to hear the stories from a queer person who also does drag, it does something a little different. Yeah. You know, because even in the queer community, drag queens weren't seen as real artists like i don't know how many times i heard you should just get a real job when i had two jobs and i hosted drag shows yeah you know people didn't take it like seriously or or think it was legitimate no 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 nobody ever took it seriously and i think in the queer community it was this crazy idea of misogyny and that's what it was like why would you want to dress up as a woman when you already have the power as a man and for me femininity is the strongest force in the world yeah. Mother Earth, not Father Earth, baby. 100%. And and behind the scenes, are people supportive amongst each other in terms of the people that you're with, say, on season two? Everyone look out for each other? Or is there a bit of kind of... Behind the scenes, like, actually on set or, like, right now on Twitter? Oh, even <laughs> back then or... Like, yeah, I mean, Twitter, I guess Twitter won't have been a, a thing back then. Maybe Twitter... I don't know if Twitter was... Well, it was just MySpace. And, you know, MySpace, you had, like, your top ten friends and you could play songs and stuff. And we were just sharing Tila Tequila stuff. (laughs) Like, it was just back then. So all of us were always supportive of each other. Um, It's really special because the audience only gets to see, like, a few moments. Yeah. We know the experience for us, and it was more than a competition. It was actually building this chosen family that you didn't actually choose. RuPaul chose for us. Yeah. And she somehow knew that it was going to work. Yeah. And that's the magic in Ru. Like, it, we, she created a family, and now I don't know how many hundreds of queens there are that have this experience, but I think because we have this position, it shows that all the other queens out there who aren't on the show and who don't want to be on the show, that they also have a place and a space to work their art. And what I love about it as well, it's got it's like a verbal history. So people mm-hmm. refer to a particular outfit that yeah. someone wore in like season two uh-huh. during this particular trial. And it's like, that's an amazing thing to be created. It creates its own history, which oh, I, yeah. I think is fantastic. Herstory. That's exactly what it is. Well, let's get a song on from the 2010s then, Juju B. What song has a special place in your heart and and why would you like to hear it? All Night by Beyonce, because it's Beyonce. And if you listen to her voice, it's so tender, yet so strong. She's she's felt whatever she's singing about, and that's what I love. It's music just, ugh, I just feel it in my soul.
All Night. Written by Diplo, Beyonce, Henry Allen, Timothy Thomas, Theron Thomas, Isley Juba, Akil King, Jeremiah Daniels, Andre Benjamin, Antoine Patton, Patrick Brown, performed by Beyonce and released by RCA. This love song completes Beyonce's emotional journey that she outlines through the Lemonade album. Throughout the record, we hear her discovering, wrestling with, and finally forgiving her husband's infidelity. Now reconciled, she wants Jay-Z by her side all night long, as you do. Uh, we arrive then to the present day, the 2020s. Juju, uh, is the world a more accepting place than when you first started out in drag? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the world now, I think, just sees that people just want to live. We just want to live. And with everything that's been going on, I think we've either come to the realization that we are in control of how we respond and react, or it's the complete opposite. So you're either going to move forward or you're going to be complacent. And I think most of us are choosing to move forward and just to accept. Acceptance is literally the key to everything. Absolutely. Accept it. That's it. And 10 years from now, what would you see yourself doing? I'm sure that I'll have my lips done so I can look like bag of chips. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually see myself writing more music. Yeah, It's a passion of mine. I hate that word, but it is something that I've always wanted to do. And I believe that with my experiences, I can kind of transfer that into song and share with people. Um, I've been able to release EPs because of Drag Race, actually. And I've finally been able to see that everything that I prayed for is happening. And it's a great place to be in. Would you say you had a tough start in life, but you've made the most of it? Is it a gift, yeah. the fact that you had that? Because adversity sometimes can be a real, uh, can work in your favor and yeah. fortify you. Do you yeah. How do you look back on the start that you've had and, and where you are now? Oh my gosh, it is, it's pretty insane. You know, like I said, I lost both my parents the same year. One died and one abandoned me. So to sit here and explain what it feels like, it would take hours. But I know that my dad didn't have a choice, but my mom did. And that, I think that hurt will always be carried with me, but I've forgiven her for it. I don't think she had a choice. I think it was to protect her and to protect us. But it's definitely helped me see the world very differently. And it's helped me kind of appreciate every feeling that I have because I used to just search for happiness. Yeah. But I believe that if you don't feel sad or mad or angry, you really don't know what happy feels like. So if anybody is out there that needs this advice, darling, feel your feelings because they're fleeting and then you can grow from it and you can fly so high and you can listen to us here on Absolute Radio. Fantastic. Well, listen, it's been a real honour to go through time with you, GGB, and uh, best of luck with everything in the future. It's awesome to meet you. Let's have your final song then, present day. What would you like to play out with? Oh my gosh, would it be if I picked my own song? No, do it. Ah, what song? Ah, there's so many great... Hey, maybe we can... It's a ballad, though. Could it be a ballad? You can have whatever you like. It could be a dance song. Whatever you want. This song right here pretty much sums up what I've been feeling my entire life, and I hope that it speaks to you. This song is from my second EP, Good Juju Volume 2, and it's called On My Way. Jujubee, thank you very much. We talk ourselves in and out of trouble. We stumble to find a place. We crash and burn and rise from the rubble. I can't believe the life that we've made. Don't know where I'm going. I'm on. 
On My Way, written and performed by Juju B. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. Our trip through the decades has concluded. If you like any of the music you've heard today, uh, Absolute Radio is a station for you. Uh, from the swinging 60s with Absolute Radio 60s to the rave-filled 90s with Absolute Radio 90s, there's literally something for everyone.